know we're going to be preaching about healing. <laughs> just joking, just joking. <laughs> no, um, let's go on and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time. We just thank you for allowing us to be able to come and be in your presence, to be able to get all that you have for us. Father, we ask that you would allow the Holy Spirit to take over. We thank you for this opportunity. We uh, thank you for our pastor and our first lady as they are away. We ask you, Father, that you would give us revelation, you would give us understanding, that you would give us clarity. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. We just ask that he would take over. And we do come and we do pray all these things in the precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I haven't done this in a while, so um, uh, if I pass out, <laughs> you stay there and you stay there. I brought my mother to go on and give me mouth to mouth. Okay? Y'all understand that, right? Um, what, I, what I wanted to talk about, uh, uh, if you need Bibles, uh, the ushers, are, I'll pass them out, raise your hands. So this might be real quick, you know, uh, we'll try to, you know, if you see me going too fast, just nod your head and tell me to slow down, and I'll, I'll try to slow down. Um, but what I wanted to talk about uh, is if I had to name it, it's are you special? Are you special? So I want you to look at your neighbors and ask them, say, are you special? Look at, look at the other one and say, are you special? And, and we're not talking about that little bus special <laughs> with the little helmet on. We, we're talking about are you special? Okay, if, uh, we can turn to Genesis. My Bible uh, is so raggedy. You know, uh, Pastor Rick's son said he was missing the thesis. I'm missing most of all of Genesis. So... Uh, I'm going to have to have you guys look. Uh, could you put uh, Genesis 29 and 11? It's going to go down from Gen uh Let's go down to about maybe the 30th verse. It says, And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. This is about uh, Jacob when he first went to, uh, when he left his father uh, Isaac, and, uh, you know, he had to get away because, uh, you know, he had stole Esau's birthright. And so he ended up going to, uh, uh, to his mother's uh, family house. And uh, they said that he was, he was there doing, uh, uh, Rachel was there at the, uh, getting water, and he showed up. And it says that when he seen her, it says that he kissed her. It says and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rahab's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet her and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my, bo my bone and my flesh, and he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said to Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for not? Tell me what shall thy wages be? And Laman had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. 
And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said to the Laman, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laman gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laman gave unto his daughter Leah, Zipha, I guess that's it, his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laman, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee uh, for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laman said, it must not be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laman gave to Rachel his daughter uh, another handmaid to be her maid. <laughs> and he went into also into Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him seven other years. So I was looking at that, <clears throat> trying to come up with an example of um, someone who uh, wasn't special. And uh, it was Leah. You know, uh, it says that when, when, uh, when uh, Jacob first seen Rachel, it says he kissed her and he cried. You know, I don't know if he cried because she was that pretty, you know. Uh, did he, just, he just cried because he found his kinfolks, you know what I'm saying? But... Uh, so then, my, my, my point here that I want to look at, it says, um, it says in um, 1718, it says, Leah, go, go to 1718, it says, Leah was tender-eyed, but Jacob was beautiful, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. So I tried to look up there and see what that meant by tender-eyed, okay? And if you do it in today's day, you know, you would call it cock-eyed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, she was, she, you know, something was wrong with her eyes, you know. I grew up there when you look at me, hey, that, she cock at it, you know. So, so then when they turned around and, and you know, he went and laid with, the, the, you know, with, with uh, Leah, thinking it was Rachel. And I can imagine, you know, when, when it says that the father grabbed, gathered the men together to talk, he probably pulled Leo to the side. Leah said, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, Leo saying, oh, dad, you know, I can't do that, you know. He said, yeah, all you got to do is keep your eyes closed. Okay. But that morning, that morning, Jacob seen it, you know, because she couldn't keep him closed all, you know what I'm saying? So he seen it. And then they turned around, and then the father said, listen, I know what I did. I had to do it. He tried to say it was a custom, but he couldn't get, you know, nobody else wanted her. You know what I'm saying? So she knows, can you imagine, this is how you feel, you, you know, you your, 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 uh, the man that you, that you see uh, don't want to have nothing really to do with you. You know what I'm saying? Worked seven years for that one. And then, then the father said, well, just, just give her two weeks. Spend, give her two weeks, and then we're gone. And what's, you know, then you can go and have Rachel. And so that's what happened. So for myself, I was just thinking that um, 
you know, we'll get back to her, uh, back to there later. But what I was thinking was that, um, you know, she, there's no way in the world that she thought she was special to be treated like that. But we're going to find out later on, you know, that uh, she was special. Let, let's turn to Psalms, Psalms 8.5. It says, for it says, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with the glory and honor. You know, I, uh, for myself, this is something that I deal with every day in my prayers and even in my thinking. You know, who am I that God is mine for me? You know, uh, when you think about that, you know what I'm saying? It could be, it could be simple things as, um, why was you blessed to be born in the United States? When you see those people over there in the third world countries, you know, how, how did that happen? You know, who, who, who chose people to be wherever they, you know what I'm saying? That could have been you. But really, what made you think that you were supposed to be born in the United States? Where it's free to worship God. Plenty of food, we just get rid of it. And then you see those people on TV, they, they, they you know, they didn't choose to be who they was. They just, hey. They was born in this situation. That in itself lets you know that you're special. You know, for myself, I didn't have that complex like Rachel had. I always thought I was special. (laughs) And a lot of times the wrong way, okay? So uh, what I want to just talk about a little bit about myself and just just my journey itself and how it is that I felt about myself. Uh, I... uh, uh, just, you know, when I first just understood about gender, you know, boys and girls, I was so thankful to be a boy. I, I really am. Man, are you glad you're a man? No, seriously. I grew up hearing, you know, hey, you run like a girl. You throw like a girl, okay? You know, uh, you laugh like a girl. Wait, I don't want to be no girl. It's like something bad to be a girl because that's what you heard, you know? I was very conscious of that. I was very glad that it is that I was a boy. The other thing that is that I, these are just simple things I wanted to share. The other thing that it was that I, it was five in my family, five uh, siblings, and I was the oldest. And I thought, hey, that made me special. I was the oldest, okay? Uh, I, uh, I, I looked at it like the ones that get the attention is the oldest and the youngest. Okay, and when you look at life like that middle child always in the, you know, sitting there with the therapist, telling the therapist about his problems. Okay, so for me that was a blessing. I, I was the oldest. I got I got the I got to set the examples. And my mother's right there. She'll tell you I did a good job. We we didn't have you know you know because the oldest one is they set the tone as far as what them kids doing. My my brothers and sisters there was no fights going on. None, you know what I'm saying we didn't grow up that way. But again, that was because of me. Okay. Because uh, I was the oldest. Oh, the other thing is, <laughs> uh, I was so glad that I was tall. Because in my day, you know, they had a song I talking about, short people have no reason for living. Y'all remember that? Those, do some of y'all remember that song? They talking about they got little hands and little feet, you know. So I'm hearing that. I'm like, I'm so glad that I'm tall. You know what I'm saying? That makes me special. (laughs) 
Then came basketball. Now that really, really made me special because I was better than the best person in the whole city. The best person in the whole city, so you couldn't tell me nothing, okay? I mean, it was like, this was, this was you know, they called me Slick Rick. I'm all in the paper, okay? You know, when I went to jail, I was in the paper too. You know what I'm but, and they was talking about that basketball player, okay? But, but um, you know, um, and, and you know, and the school made me feel like I was special. They, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I wasn't going to classes. I didn't, you know, these kids nowadays they had a book back. You know, is that what they call it? A book back, right? You know, we didn't have those things in our days. You know, the kids would carry their books, but nobody ever seen Rick with no books, okay? <laughs> because uh, I'm special. I, I you know, that they, they, I didn't understand it. But those my coaches made sure that I was eligible to play, okay? And by me not having nobody older, you know, to tell me that, hey, this is going to hurt you. No, this is something good for you, Jaden, and uh, where, where's little John at? Something y'all listen to because what those people did, I didn't understand, it was doing damage to me, okay? Because I wasn't getting the education, okay? Them coaches were going to those people telling them, hey, we got to have them eligible, okay? They would let me get one after. They wouldn't let me get two, Okay? They was going to make sure that I was eligible. So basketball really, you know, um, it, it really made me, th- it set me aside because it was like, <clears throat> uh, that was the only talent that I really have, ever had in life. And that, that's the truth, you know. I, never, I couldn't do nothing with my hands. My mother used to tell me, uh, uh, boy, you better get in that kitchen and learn how to cook. And I used to tell her, mama, let me tell you something. I'm going to always have a woman to cook for me, okay? <laughs> Then, then, my, then my daddy used to say, boy, you better get your head underneath this car and try to work on the car case your car break down. I said, daddy, let me tell you something. When my car break down, I'm going to get in my other car, okay? <laughs> and you know what? It happened just like that because I'm special. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened. I went on to college. I'm in my junior year in college. I'm playing for uh, Southern Utah. Uh, back in my day, <clears throat> uh, it was different than what the kids are doing nowadays because in, uh, back in, the, in my days, they called it hardship. Once you got in your junior year, if your family was, you know, was poor and stuff, which we was, uh, that you could, you could drop out your last year and go, on to, uh, go to the pros. So that was my plan, you know. I, uh, uh, my coach was talking to the Celtics and all that, so you know I was going that was going forfeit that uh, my senior year and go, you know, it hit the NBA. But one Wednesday night, we having practice, and uh, <clears throat> uh, we was we was uh, we was scrimmaging ourselves, and me and another guy were going up for the ball. They were trying to throw it over my head to him, and we I jumped up and I landed on the side of his foot. That fatal Wednesday night. And uh, the trainer didn't know what they was doing. And they turned around and they had me sit down and ice my foot. And uh, I mean, first he taped it up. And that was his first mistake because he didn't allow the foot to, to swell. So he taped it up and then he emerged in ice. And, uh, and that did it. Uh, I ended up losing, first I ended up losing two of my toes. You know, and then eventually I had to, uh, the gangrene was so bad they had to finally just cut off all the toes. Oh, man. 
but uh, my, I was in Utah. My mother was, uh, they, uh, my mother, uh, when, when my, by the time I, they was having me on morphine so much while I was there in the hospital, that when I realized what was going on, my mother was there, and she was in Wisconsin. And I'm like, waking up like, Mom, what you doing here? She's like, you know, they said you had blood clogs, and they was going to run to your heart and all that other things. Uh, when I played, I weighed about 150 pounds. I was real skinny. They was always trying to get me to, uh, you know, drink shakes and stuff like that, but it, it, none of that kind of worked. But when I got out of that hospital to go back to Wisconsin, I weighed 122 pounds at this height. So then I go, I get to uh, Wisconsin, and uh, my foot is like this. You know, can't, can't even put in the shoe. Uh, it's dead. Um, and they, uh, they, they, they open up my foot thinking that it's all fluid. But when they open it up, it wasn't fluid. It was gangrene. And it was just eating up all the muscles. So they had to go on my foot, take all my muscles out. And after that, I had three toes left. <laughs> One toe fell off in the bed with my ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I'm serious. The, the baby toe. So, uh, I, sta I stayed in the hospital. I stayed in the hospital for about six months, just getting IV, getting IV. They trying to they trying to save my life because the gangrene is just spreading, you know. Um, so, there was like there was nothing they, they they could do to try to uh, get this gangrene out. Um, you know, y'all know my mother, you know. And so all, all my life, you know, you know she's that praying mother, you know, it was always by my side. And uh, uh, one day, uh, uh, a doctor came in. I mean, again, I was special because when they opened up my foot and did that, when I woke up, it's like eight doctors, eight doctors standing over me, okay? The woman went to take off the, the bandage, and the nurse, and she started pulling these gauze out. And you know how, you know how a magician just keep going, you know? I'm like, what in, you know, I didn't know what they did to my foot, okay? So... Uh, so this one doctor heard about me, and, uh, and he, uh, he got me uh, at this place called St. Luke Hospital. Have you ever heard of the hyperbaric chambers? Yeah. Okay, that's what they said. They said the reason, that, and they see what it is, they couldn't, my foot was trying to close, but they couldn't let it close because every day they're going in, they're picking out gangrene, and so they had to keep it open. So, uh, uh, so they, they got me to, uh, to this, this hyperbaric chambers I went for 40 days straight, two hours a day. My mother would become, me and my mother, and they, and you, uh, if you, uh, they, got, the, they got the ones that's huge where they could put about eight people in it. Then they had this one little one, they called it Little Lulu, Little Lulu. <laughs> and they would, they would put me in there. They would slide me in there, and it had a glass over the top where I could see, and then they would close it up. And then they would say, okay, Rick, you're going down. And they was talk, what they were saying going down, like he was taking me down to the pressure uh, at the ocean. And, uh, you know, it, 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 the first couple of times it was real scary to get to do it. But my point about this is that there was a young girl that was going that had got bit in the face by a doman pitcher. Took a, a, she had a hole in the side of her face. Then there was a man, I don't know what happened to him, you know, what, what caused this condition, but first he was wearing a, a shoe about that high, bigger than the other one. And then he had a hole on the side of his leg. You could put your whole hand in it. He had over 95 treatments 
I can't remember how many treatments a young girl had, but they weren't healing. But I did. Because I'm special. I'm special. And this is what I want y'all to understand, that even in all this in life, I'm sure all y'all have y'all stories too, but for some reason, God was always there. He was always there. Yes. So, uh, so as life went on, you know, I got through that. I was bitter, you know, with my foot because I ended up going to court. Went to Salt Lake City. Um, and we, you know, the, the I, I ended up suing the the school. The school turned around and sued the doctor. And after 13 days of going to court, we went to court. They first 13 days, they had to have, had, they brought coaches that I had played against. They had to prove, could I made the NBA once that was established? Then they had to turn around. They had an economic person to get on the stand and say, well, the average basketball player played this many years. He makes this kind of money. Okay, we were suing for over $700,000. That's back in, in the 70s. And when that jury came back, you know what they said? That I was 100% negligent. That I should never have let them people put the ice on my foot. You talk about a 19-year-old kid just doing what it is that you think you're supposed to be doing. So I went, I went through a lot of bitterness, you know, uh, doing that and, and, and got out in the streets and things like that. And uh, it got to the point where because basketball was who I was, I thought, that that's what made me special. Now I don't have it no more. Okay? Uh, uh, I had picked up my grades while I was in school, but I was just going to school because of basketball. Okay? So it was like, what am I going to do now? So I ended up getting depressed. And I was up in Alaska now, and I had one little son. And um, I started thinking a lot about suicide. You know, that because I couldn't do what I wanted to do, there's nothing on this earth that I really want to do. And, uh, but because I, I grew up you know, in the church, I always thought about, hey, if I commit suicide, you know, I, yeah, you're going to go to hell, you know. Right, right. So, so I, I battled that, you know. And uh, uh, one, uh, one night I was sitting on my, sitting on my table and uh, reading my Bible, getting high. Right, right. Okay? Reading my Bible, getting high. And I remember on, in the back of it I wrote, I said, I don't want to go to hell. And I put these big, you know, lines underneath it. And the next day, God knocked on my door. It was, uh, well, hold up before you say, you know, you wait, listen to the story. <laughs> so these people knocked on my door, but they weren't Mormons, but they was of, of another church. I, wanted, I don't want to put them on blast or like that. And uh, I went to the class and stuff, <clears throat> started going to the classes, and uh, now I'm convinced I done found the true church the true church, and everybody else going to hell. Okay? I'm special. God came and got me. And I'm, I'm a part of the true church, and my mama going to hell. Oh, yeah. Everybody going to hell. You better listen. And um, I end up before I knew it, 
the first six months, these people already got me up preaching. Six months. Six months later, they got me, and I'm now I'm about to have my second child, because before we was using birth control. Now, you know, oh, you can't use no birth control. <laughs> and uh, so now I got this other baby coming, and now they're talking about, we need you to go uh, and uh, go down to uh, Montana. I said, Montana? There ain't no black people down in Montana. What are you talking about? Go down to Montana. <laughs> but we got a church. The preaching has done something. They don't have no preacher. So I get my little family. We go down to Montana. Now I'm down there in Montana. I'm not there but a good two years. Now they said, well, now we want you to go down to North Carolina. And we want you to start a church. I was 26 years old. Don't know nothing. Don't know nothing. Just like our pastor, we talking about the things that he deals with. You don't know what it is when there's a, you, somebody, they got you in your office or wherever it was that I, I was sitting and talking to them, and these people filling my head of all their garbage. Right. Okay? I didn't even know how to deal with my own garbage. Because right. that church, all it did was talk about sin. Right. Sin. I, people would stay, they would, they would confess their sins. You would have people standing up confessing their sins about chewing gum in the service. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. I'm serious. So you know what it made me want to do? Just keep my mouth closed. Because they was like, hey, you know. I mean, they would correct me. You know, I'd be preaching. The lady, I would use the word guy. Woman, one time stopped me after service. Like, Brother Ricky, uh, you, you know, you was in, in the sermon, you kept saying guys. And I'm like, well, you can't just say guys because there's men and women. You know. So, I, you know, I, the, it was five years of Misery. Misery. Because all it was, there was, there was, uh, there was a, I wrote a scripture down just to, but it was talking about, oh, it's in uh, 2 Timothy, you don't have to, you don't have to turn it out, just 2 Timothy th- uh, 2, um, 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. And that's what it was. There was nothing been taught about the Holy Spirit, there was nothing talked about God's love, you know. They would have what we call, um, uh, uh, you remember what this was, Mike? The, the Thursday Mike passed. You know the the. I can't remember what it, what it was though. You, huh? No, no. Where we we go out and knock on doors just like the Mormons did, and then we would invite them in toward non-member non-member classes, huh? No, it was called non-member classes where you'd get people that wasn't a part of you to come to it, and so we they we knock on doors on Wednesdays. We knock on doors on Saturdays. But if somebody didn't come from those knocking on those doors that Thursday, now sin in the camp. Sin in the camp. Somebody had done something wrong, sin in the camp. It was, it, was, it was pitiful. It was pitiful. The only thing that I got from it was that they spent so much time in their Bible that I had to learn the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I learned the Bible, but there was no power in it. There was no power in it. So that's why I was telling you when I said God knocked on my door. You know, and I thought I was special. No, it, it was it was really sad that I that I that I dealt with that. And what it made me do, it made me get away, get away from God. I went <clears throat> almost 15 years where I wouldn't even pray to Him because I was still doctrinating that stuff there. They had that, they used to use the scripture 
um, John 9, 31, where it says God doesn't hear a sinner prayer. So it made me stop. Why, why pray? God's not going to hear me. God's not going to hear me. Then in a, it took me to where in Luke 11, let's put that on the board. Am I going too fast? Did I give it Luke? Uh, Luke eleven twenty two to twenty five says, "The one is strong, but when is stronger, then he shall come upon him and overcome him. He taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted, and divide his spoils." He that is not with me is against me, and he that garnereth not with me scattered. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. He saith, I will return unto my house which I came out of. You know these scriptures? <clears throat> I talk to Samuel a lot. Samuel works with me out of, at our place. And I, I, t- I tell Samuel that the Bible... They're words, but if you live long enough, those words come off the pages, and you have to live them. And this here is what happened to me after I left that church. When that, how bad I was before I went, he brought more, and I became something that I never did things I never thought I wanted to do, and that's how bad it was. I ended up going from preaching the owner of the bar. And I'm telling you, it was, you know, <clears throat> if you haven't been around that kind of life, you know, it's, it's evil on evil on evil. Right. It really was. I actually lived that, those, like I say, I actually lived those scriptures. I, I, uh, it, it got bad. You know, I ended up, like I said, I ended up opening the, op, uh, owning the bar. Then I went from having the bar so now I'm selling drugs. You know, now I go from selling drugs to doing drugs. So one, one night, I, one night I, I, uh, um, after I closed the bar, um, I didn't, people, people that, uh, that came in the bar, I didn't do no business with them. You know, I was smart enough not to do that. I would go, the bar was in, in one city, La Crosse. Lori knows about La Crosse. And, and I would drive to Milwaukee which was three hours away. So I'm, most of the time I have somebody go with me or somebody driving, but this night I went by myself. I mean, I closed the bar at 2 o'clock. I'm on the road, and, um, and I'm coming back, and I got some E&J, a little bottle of E&J in the seat with me. I got my little pipe. I got about four ounces in the, in, in, in the back seat. I mean, not in the back seat, but in my trunk in a, in a saltine cracker box or something like that, okay? And then I got, got the blow, you know, up there, and I'm just flying. And next thing I know, it's state troopers. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, oh, my, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get stuff out of the seat. I'm spilling stuff. I look up in the mirror. I got blow all on my nose, <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I get out the car. I'm trying to get out the car before he come up on me. And I, I, uh, I'm out the car and I'm leaning, you know, I got to lean up. Just, 
you know, trying to stand up straight, you know. And uh, uh, the trooper came up to me, and it was a black man. So he comes up to me, and he's like talking to me. And uh, he said, you know, you're going, you know, kind of fast. And I was like, yeah, I was trying to get home. He said, well, where do you live at? I said, I, I live in La Crosse. And, and I'm about probably 45 minutes from there. And we kept talking and stuff, you know, and I'm like, you know, waiting on him to, you know, he can see me. I got stuff on my nose, you know. And uh, so he says, I know you. And I'm like, I don't know. He says, uh, you said you live in La Crosse? I, I said, yeah. He said, what do you do? I said, I own a bar. Was, at that time, it was called A New Beginning. And uh, so he said, uh, so uh, he said, yeah, that's where I know you from. I, 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 I've been up in your bar. And I was like, oh, okay. And so now he's, you know, he, he's, I, I see now he's not going to do nothing to me. He stood me out there for two hours. Oh, wow. And two it is, I came to myself. Wow. And then I drove home. See, I know that that was God right. because he has something better for me in life. Right. But did you know that if I had went to prison, I probably would just be getting out. Right. And at this time, I got five boys. Right. They're in Alaska. Mm -hmm. The worst thing or the, my biggest fear was I already felt guilty that I wasn't there with them. So, because you know, when they would go to school and have father things like that, I felt a little better that it is they would say, Well, my dad's in another state because he has a business. Right. But I never wanted my kids to say, Hey, my dad's in prison because he's a drug dealer. Right. So, at that point, well, I know that was God. I had no, 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 you know, doubts about it. And when I went back, I started putting things in order. I think it was probably two or three months that I, I was done with the bar. They closed it up and everything else and we headed back up to Alaska. Amen. Just turn over to, uh, well, I, we, I can just talk to you about it. Over there in Luke, it talks about uh, the prodigal son. We all know about the prodigal son. And that's, how, that's where I got. But the thing that I like about the prodigal son, it says that he came to himself. Amen. He came to himself. Now, it wasn't no quick getting back in everything. It was probably another five or six years after that that I, I started making my changes. My wife that I have, she's up in Alaska right now working. But, you know, I was, I was tired of the fornication because it was like I knew See, God, God had always, ever since I was a little boy, my mother tell you, people, nine, eight years old, people pulling me out, calling me up, calling me up, the preachers putting hands on me. There's a calling on your life. There's a calling on your life. So I always knew I could never, I would be getting high with my friends, and next thing I know when I'm talking about God, they'd be like, man, you messing up the thing. What's wrong with you? You know? But it, but it was in me. It was always in me. Um... So uh, uh, when it came to my wife, I, you know, I would be with other ladies and stuff, had relationships, sometimes five years with one, and, and I would be telling them about, you know, we, you know, yeah, I'm talking God. And they'd be like, you, you trying to tell because what we're doing right now, we, you will go to hell? Yeah, we're going to go to hell, okay? 
you think that God is okay, God is okay with this? No, we're going to go to hell. This is called fornication. Okay? So I knew that in order for me to start to get right with God, I had to find a wife because I wasn't going to stop the other thing. Okay? So he said it's better to, what, marry than to burn. Okay? So I knew I had to find me a wife. And I was blessed with a wife. You know, I was blessed with a wife. Um, the, um, uh, let's, let's read Jonah real quick just to see how, I, this is how I felt like Jonah. Jonah uh, is 2-2. Two, two. Everybody know about Jonah, how he got swallowed in the well, right? It says, and I said I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. And out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Thou heardest my voice. So uh, I, I got, uh, I'm up in Alaska now, and uh, uh, I done got married. And uh, I started going to church uh, with, where my sister went. So about two years, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I knew all, you know, I knew what I was supposed to do. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't hard for me to, to be there on Wednesday and, and be there on Sunday. I knew that, you know, I knew what, I knew what Hebrews uh, uh, 25 says about not forsaking yourself. And, I, you know, I believe that. Um, <clears throat> but I wasn't, I wasn't really growing. I was just going through the motions. I was being faithful, though. But I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't learning no more than what I already knew for my 